You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name is Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the Westside Community News, and today, Continuing on the season preview grind. Sorry to be doing two episodes in a row of that, but it's a fun one today looking at the upcoming season for Chris Duarte. What skills can he add? How important is he going to be? How important is this season for his development at his age as one of the Pacers' key guys of their young court? It's a pretty big second year for him. It's going to be fun to look at the season upcoming for him. Yesterday, we talked about bench guards, if you're interested in that. Andrew Nembard, Aaron Neesmith, and TJ McConnell. Monday was Jalen Smith. Lots of good season preview stuff coming here on Lockdown Pacers. Now, I'd once again like to plug Wednesday's episode looking at the fits of all the players on the roster, including Chris Duarte, with Tyrese Halburn. I think that one turned out really well and has gotten a lot of good reviews from listeners. But how we do these reviews, or season previews, excuse me, for players is looking at their basketball reference stat projections and their likely role, asking a big question and stats to monitor about their season, and looking at their importance to the team this year. And beyond, let's just dive right into Chris Duarte, the Dominican forward, had a nice time playing for the DR. Uh, and some FIBA World Cup qualifying action in late August, which is encouraging for his injury p- portion of his <laughs> makeup right now. You know, he had that toe injury that he only played one summer league game out of some precautions there, and it was bothering him in summer league practices. The fact that he's playing in those games is encouraging. And Basketball Reference has their 2022-23 projections out per 36 minutes. They have Chris Duarte at 17 points, 5.5 rebounds, and just shy of three assists. For comparison, last year he was at 16.8 points per 36, 5.3 rebounds, and 2.7 assists. So, small improvements in a bunch of stats there, and then 44% field goal percentage, which would be about a 0.8% improvement for him, and 37.3% from deep, which would be about a 0.4% improvement. The first thing that jumped out to me looking at this is, I think that he'll probably get a little better scoring bump than basketball reference projects. Not necessarily, if he even if he doesn't add any skills, I would have said that because, you know, last year, especially early in the season, sure, he was taking a lot of shots early in the campaign, but settled in at about 11 shots per game in 28 minutes. I think this year, you know, when I did the rotation projections for the Pacers, I penciled him in somewhere between 30 and 32 minutes. And within that, he will be taking more shots in his time. And per minute, you know, that doesn't really matter. Uh, but I think per touch or per possession, it's more likely that he will be the guy finishing the play with a shot. Whereas last year, you know, he played with Sabonis and Turner and Brogdon and Laverde and a bunch of other guys who were ahead of him in the hierarchy of who should finish plays. So this year, even if he is playing more minutes, his per minute shot attempt number, I think, will be up from 14.5 at last year. Basketball reference actually projects his field goal attempts per 36 to go down. I totally disagree. Even with no added skills, just looking at the hierarchy of the Pacers roster as they turn towards development a little bit, to me, and I think the, the the jank in their projections, not to say jank, that's the wrong word, they do a brilliant job with this, is that he's really old for a second-year player, so those things, his age and his his years in the league sort of butt heads. So to me, it's kind of obvious that per minute or per possession or however you want to slice it up, he'll be taking more shots in this naturally, scoring more. But I also think he will add skills a little bit. You know, he already is showing more refined handle in summer league and with the DR. If you read, go to Andy Cornrose and read Caitlin Cooper's lovely piece on some of the stuff he's adding in terms of, you know, his his lack of hesitancy on certain types of pull-up threes. 
uh, certain ways he was attacking the paint. Uh, it, it was fantastic. You know, those sort of things, if they add to his game, not only will he have more opportunities to finish plays or be the guy taking the shot, but he'll have a more refined arsenal, more ways he can get those shots up. So I think the scoring will go up, the rebounding, yeah, some, maybe some natural growth there per minute. Assists, same kind of deal as the points. I would have just said that naturally goes up as he gets more touches, uh, but as also as he adds a little skill attacking the basket, one would think that number would settle in about three. If you made me do... Just looking at the Pacers roster and Chris Duarte projections, I would say about 19 points per 36, five and a half rebounds is fine, and maybe three and a half assists per 36. So a little bit of bumps from me in all those stats for him seem just to make sense given that, especially when Halliburton's out of the game, you know, maybe they'll give McConnell or Nembard or whoever the ball, but I think Chris Duarte will be one of the, the higher up options to finish plays a lot when Halliburton's out of the game or when Turner's out or whatever. So I think that a lot of the the rate numbers for those sort of things that require him being a guy doing doing the creating will be higher than these projections say. Now, the, the percentages are fascinating. Free throw percentage, they have them locked in about the same as last year. Small bump in three-point percentage. I would say that this is going to be an interesting year for his three-point shooting. Hal Burton's a great setup man. Perhaps that makes his shots easier, but he's not playing off of Sabonis. He's not playing off of Brogdon and Levert, who, while that team had a lot of warts, didn't always fit together. They still were better creators than the total package that the Pacers have now, and that leads me to believe that you know, I, I don't necessarily think he'll get easier threes. So maybe he's a better shooter. He's already a pretty good shooter in terms of the skill. He takes contested threes. He's fearless with the pull-ups. He's fearless with the catch and shoot. He always gets it up quickly and doesn't hesitate. That's all great. But if they're harder threes or he has to do the pull-ups more often, maybe his percentage settles in about the same. So I think it's right of them to and the projections to kind of suggest his field goal and three-point percentages will end up similar to last year. And I don't think that will reflect the improvement he will truly have in those areas where he might be getting to the rim a little bit more or making tougher threes, but at the same rate because he takes more tougher threes, if that all makes sense. That's sort of where I see his season settling in and you know getting to the rim a little more than 20% of his shots like last year is great, but he didn't finish amazingly there. So we'll see how that all balances itself out. But like last year... Almost 80% of his threes were assisted. I think that number will go down just a smidge this year. And under half of his two-pointers were assisted. You know, we'll see where that number settles in. But it was close to 50%. It was at 47.7. I bet that settles in at about 40, maybe a little lower this year. So a lot of ways for him to grow in skills that won't necessarily show up in the stats. And I think those are key things to watch for a lot of the Pacers young players, but especially a guy like Duarte, who's really interesting in that. He shot up from the fifth option as starter last year to maybe the second option almost all the time he's in the game this year and will be tasked with being a key part of a rebuild. I'll be fascinated to see how those skills actually shake out. So what will his role be? That's the second question I like to ask in this first segment. His is one of the few players that it's not pretty obvious what his role will be on this Pacers team. There's a few guys like, you know, Aaron Neesmith, for example, or, you know, backup bigs that... It's not totally obvious where players will settle in minutes-wise, but it's mostly clear who will and won't play. With Duarte and, and Buddy Heald specifically, and Buddy Heald's next up on the player previews next week, you know, it's not clear what the Pacers will are thinking right now in terms of who will start and who will come off the bench. To me, for a young team that Halliburton's the future of the team, Ben Matherin's the future of the team, Chris Duarte likely the future of the team, you know, they would want to get that trio as as together as often as possible. And if that means starting them, that means starting them. But I also get the merit of if you start Buddy Heald, you add spacing, you add weapons, you make it easier for the other guys to play with more space and develop. I think both of those things have some value to the team. I think that Duarte playing a lot with Matherin 
and Halliburton has more value. So if I were in charge, which I'm not, thank goodness for the Pacers, I'm not, I would start Chris Duarte alongside those two guys. But I understand why Buddy Heald might end up being the starter to open the season and why Duarte might come off the bench. He stated last year a lot that he doesn't really have a preference if he started or came off the bench. And if you'll recall, you know, when the Pacers were trying to change things up a bit to, you know, stabilize in in mid-December after they kind of nosedived out of their about 500 level, you know, they switched their starting line. They moved Duarte to the second unit in lieu of Buddy Heald, or excuse me, of Justin Holiday at the time, right? So I don't think it's crazy that during the season something similar could happen where, you know, maybe they're... (laughs) depending on how their season is going, I suppose you could say, okay, Duarte looks good with that that duo I mentioned earlier, get him in the starting five or pull him out. He needs more looks as a lead ball handler with the second unit, get Buddy in the starting five. I can see a lot of scenarios where all that changes in his dynamic and maybe he ends up starting somewhere between 30 and 40 games. Maybe it's all season, maybe it's zero, depending on how Buddy Heald season goes too. But the other factor here is Buddy Heald could get traded, and if that happens, he's certainly a starter. So I think he'll get a lot, a, a, a healthy number of starts this season, and maybe they decide they want Matherin with the second unit, where he can be more of a lead ball handler type, and they start Duarte and Heald. A lot of options that make sense to me in that realm make me think that his Chris Duarte specifically, uh, his role is the most hazy of those guys. I have no idea if he'll start or come off the bench. Either way, starting or coming off the bench, it's not hard to get him to about 30 minutes a game. It's easy to get even bench guys to play a lot. So I don't think it's a concern for his minutes. He can still close games. No big deal on any of that stuff. It's just figuring out exactly what his role is or what he'll be tasked to do, whether that's being more of a a spacer, third option sometimes with the starters, or a lead ball handler creator type with the second unit. That's sort of up to Rick Carlisle to decide. And I think that will be one of the bigger storylines throughout the whole Pacers season. What makes more sense? What lineups are clicking? How does Duarte look in different scenarios? And that'll give him a lot of chances to develop in different ways as a different rank of option with these groups. So I'll be fascinated to see how he goes this season and what his role is, because he's one of the guys that I can't just say, yep, I think he'll do this. I just don't know with him. And I think until we get Rick Carlisle in front of you know, some some reporters on media day, we won't really have a good sense of what he's thinking or what the team's thinking there. And we might not even have a sense until preseason game one. So let's talk about the biggest question for Chris Duarte's upcoming season. I love doing that for these guys. And I think his is very vague and yet very helpful to determine what his future with this Pacers team could end up being. Before we do that, though, guys, I want to talk to you all about betonline.net, your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs, as well as sports info this season. Football's back. I'm recording this right as Thursday Night Football starts, so I have no idea who won, but you can find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including the opening week games, all over at betonline.net. If you're interested, Colts-Texans is up there. Coming up on Sunday, Locked on Colts. you got to check them out for the previews there. Colts favored by seven in Houston. They have not historically done well on opening night. I'll be fascinated to see how that shakes out. And BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering info, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events. They've got baseball on there, fighting, combat sports, golf, whatever. Head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action over at BetOnline.net because BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, why not hop on over to Locked On Mavs with Nick Angstad and Isaac Harris, the big news in the NBA transaction world today, an extension for Maxi Kleba. Good-looking deal for the Mavericks to get him on that contract. Fascinating to see what the ripple effects of that could be for that Dallas team. And Nick and Isaac will have it all 
broken down over at Locked On Maps. Chris Duarte, second season. What's the biggest question about his second season? To me, it's very obvious and it's very vague. What skills does he add? You, you could say, does he take a leap into, you know, obvious starter on a good team? Does he become this or that? To me, it's just what skills does he add? Because the way I've been talking about Chris Duarte is I think he's almost a lock to be a three and D player, which is awesome. Those are great players to have, you know, even if he's a two guard or on the wing or wherever he settles in positionally, that is valuable. He has shown that he can defend at at least an average level already at an M in the NBA, and he can shoot tough shots, even if he settles in at a league average shooter, the, the variety of offensive package he has, that's a valuable player. And that's great. But if Chris Duarte is going to be an obvious starter on the Pacers long-term, or if he's going to be a key part of their core as they develop into their the next version of whatever the playoff team of the Pacers is, as he gets better, as the Pacers get better, what skills does he add? What does he need to add to maximize their other young guys, like Jalen Smith, like Tyrese Halberton, like Benedict Mather? All those sorts of skill additions in a very vague way will be the, the things that I kind of grade Chris Duarte's season under. You know, if he, like in summer league, getting to the foul line, driving to the rim, he did that with the Dominican Republic too. That was a good sign for O'Shea Brissett last year, who didn't get to show it a ton, but because he had a little more handle and, and added some cutting, became a, a more valuable off-the-ball player, even with his shot kind of fading away a little bit. And, and that's why O'Shea Brissett became an everyday rotation player for the Pacers last year. You know, and I think Duarte, those are two skills he can focus on adding. Can he get a two-dribble move past the defender that makes the defense rotate or that gets him an open shot or that opens up the floater for him? And the floater is a great counter to guys getting run off the three-point line. So if he's a good shooter, that's a great shot to add. Or can he become a lethal-timed cutter? You know, he really likes certain spots on the court. Can he leverage that into good cuts? Can he leverage that into an overhelping defense? Can he play off of Tyrese Halberton's strength in that way? You know, those two skills on offense specifically are things that I'll be looking to see if he has added consistently to his game. Flashes would be nice because that would set a baseline for coming seasons, but specifically this year especially, I would like to see what he adds to his game. Really on offense, but even more on defense if possible. You know, can he hang a little more with the bulkier wings? He did a good job and was tasked with some insane assignments for a rookie. You know, opening night, he's on Miles Bridges. He's guarding Kevin Durant two weeks later. You know, he's guarding crazy good guards. when they're, they're He's guarding Dame a lot when they're in Portland. You know, like these sort of things that are crazy assignments for the rookies he took on. But uh, as the Pacers have done for years and years, he sort of struggled with the bulkier, powerful forwards. You know, they still don't have a great matchup for those guys unless Brissett adds some bulk. So can he do a little bit better of a job on those guys defensively? You know, these sort of questions uh, that are vague, or excuse me, that are extremely specific, all can be lumped together to a vague, what skills does Chris Duarte add? And how do they define his role? If he adds really good ball handling and, and play finishing skills, maybe he should be coming off the bench as a sixth man and running the second unit and being a little more of a, of a play finishing type, you know, can he be a T.J. Warren-esque, throw him the ball at the end of a shot clock kind of scorer? I don't know. But if he adds that skill, you got to think about where that fits him in on the Pacers. Or does he become a 40 to 42% three-point shooter? I love Doug McDermott. That would make him an awesome fit next to Tyrese Halbert and offensively. These sort of skill additions, and that's adding to a skill he already has, are sort of the big crux of the questions I will have for Chris Duarte. To zoom it out even farther offensively, is his handle or general attack better, more refined. Those are the sort of things that, especially because he was already an average defender, to me at least, as a rookie, that will definitely get better, obviously. You know, can he add to that offensive game and be 
a valuable player. And I think he will, but the where he does it and how much he does it, that will be the rubric where I kind of grade his season. So stats to watch for him, you know, sort of plays into that sort of stuff. Like what just generic stats of in that realm to you would be good to go. But off the dribble attempts is a great place to start. And I sort of referenced this earlier, although some shots off the dribble are assisted, but like, you know, he finished last season in the shooting department with 47.7% of his two-pointers assisted and 78.7% of his three-pointers assisted. You know, how do those numbers change? I made my predictions in the first segment, but seeing it specifically will be interesting to me. Like, looking at two-pointers where he finishes at 47.7% of his two-pointers assisted. Like, Kiefer Sykes had a lower percentage than that. Buddy Heald had a lower percentage than that. Even Tyrese Halliburton, who's considered a passive player at times, had 34.3% of his two-pointers assisted with the Pacers this past season. He's creating more of those shots himself, right? Jeremy Lamb was at 30, under one-third of his twos were assisted. You know, this isn't to say that an unassisted two or an assisted two is better or worse, but it does kind of show what the, the way you get your shot up or the skill you can have to create your own shot. And Duarte was a little behind some of the other Pacers guards, for example, especially inside the arc. From three, he was one of the best at getting his shots up. Basically, only Halliburton and Brogdon were better uh, from, from deep at launching it on their own creation. But I, I think even getting that number a little lower would be better. Like, you know, Brogdon and Halliburton were near 57, 58% whereas Duarte is in the high 70s, you know, getting that number lower just makes it harder to defend him. If he's got more of a package, if he can hit those tougher shots, that is one stat to monitor, for example. Another one's just assists in general. Talked about this at the beginning as well. But if he does get a little better at some of those two dribble moves to get into the paint or make the defense rotate, if he gets cut off by the rotating defense, can he find the now open teammate? Can he dish a little more than last year? Passing, not a weakness for him necessarily, but I think he made a lot of the obvious like one guy away pass and that's fine again that that is a fine pass to make that's not a negative thing to be making that pass but making the extra read or seeing two defenders movement and how that changes things really adds to players passing Halberton can see three steps four steps ahead can Duarte catch up to maybe seeing two steps ahead and throwing guys open things like that in a meaningful way will be another one and and the biggest stat to monitor for Duarte and really a lot of young players on this Pacers team his net rating with Tyrese Halliburton this year, especially so with Duarte, who might be the second best young player in this Pacers core, depending on how you view other players, depending on where Benedict Matherin slots in. And Matherin could be better very quickly. But right now, given the information we have, because Matherin hasn't played, you know, you got to consider Duarte in that mix. Does he do him and Halliburton together look better than with just one or just the other or neither? You know, obviously I think those two together will look better than with neither, but how does that net rating look? How do the Pacers be elevated by the duo? Are they making each other better? How can their skills complement each other? I think that will be the case for every young player. I should have talked about this more with Jalen Smith on Monday's season preview podcast, but in general, with all these young players, I'll be tracking the on-offs with Halliburton and alone and things like that because that really matters when the Pacers sort of build out their team going forward. Halliburton's the face of the franchise. How do the other young players fit into that? How does their growth fit into that? I think that'll be a key stat. I might just leave that on my note sheet for every player as I build this out. Maybe not so much Buddy Hill or Miles Turner or the older guys, but definitely these younger guys. How does their net rating look with Tyrese Halliburton? So that is... You know, the sort of zoomed out questions and stats that I'll be monitoring for Duarte this season. But that's not the end of the stuff to watch for this season, especially with the younger players. You know, the way I like to close these out is how important is this player to the success of the Pacers this coming season and also long term as the Pacers get better? Are they fighting for a spot on the long term Pacers and how important are they to the long term success of the team? Let's talk about where Chris Duarte fits into that mix. Really quick, though, before we do that, 
Got to talk to you guys about Acre Pro when it comes to land sales. It pays to have experts in your corner. And Acre Pro Midwest Farm Group are your local farmland specialists. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, nobody knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange, expanding your operation, selling a row crop farm, your local Acre Pro agent will walk the land with you and ensure a deal is done right. Great service, just the beginning. Acre Pro provides unparalleled land data, including soil ratings, elevation, flood zones, and land valuation across parcels. So you get the full picture up front and can be confident in the land market. Your agent will cater to each of your needs and help you navigate the complexities of buying and selling land. So the process is made simple. Experience the ease of Acre Pro by working with farmland specialists like Kyle Rule, Brady Hammond, Neil Hur, and Kyle Spray. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-587-3185 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, that's 765-583-3185 or AcrePro.com. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Pictures your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, hmm, I can pick any team in the league here. Why not hop on over to Locked On Hornets? Hear about LaMelo Ball and that Charlotte Hornets team with Doug Branson. They kill it covering that Hornets team, and I'm really excited to watch LaMelo Ball in year three. Just picked a random team out of the hat for that one. Normally, I there's a big storyline worth listening to, and we'll have all those teams covered here on the Locked On Podcast Network, as we always do. Zooming out, Chris Duarte's season, his importance, and his angling for a spot on the future Pacers, which is more for the bit players, but I want to talk about his role and what he's doing as he grows with the Pacers. How important is Chris Duarte to the success of the 2022-23 Pacers? Pretty important. He might be their best shooter, TBD. Buddy Heald is probably going to be their best shooter, almost certainly. I'd put probably 80% plus odds on Buddy Heald being the Pacers' best shooter. But um, a lot of percent of that remaining 20, I'd put on Duarte having a shot. I think he's that talented as a shooter. The way he's able to get him up, the way he's able to wiggle free and get open and his confidence leads me to believe that he can be a lethal three-point shooter. And in that way, combined with the fact that he's their best wing defender, maybe O'Shea Brissett. Again, there's some guys you could include in this mix that I would say, okay, yeah. You know, I think that he is decently important as their best 3 and D player at traditional positions. Right. I don't think there's a chance Heald gets enough defense to get in this mix. Matherin's a rookie. Neesmith is so unproven. Brissett is just not quite there on the three or the D, despite being pretty good at both. Duarte might be their, is certainly their best 3 and D player. Might be their best in both categories for a wing if the shot truly can exceed Buddy Heald's numbers. That's a pretty dang important player on any team. Right. Like To zoom out a little bit and to go full NBA, it's like asking to me, how important is Jay Crowder to the Suns? For example, you know, a very good spacer, a good defender, kind of a grit toughness kind of player. Duarte can set, I think he'll be better than Jay Crowder, but, you know, just on a team like that, with that kind of role, where he is one of their best shooters and is maybe their best wing defender, you know, so that sort of thing matters. He was huge for the Suns last year. He's been huge for the Suns since their ascent in their finals run. Stuff like that, players like that really matter. How important was Otto Porter? to the Warriors this past season. You know, again, Chris Duarte is better than these players, or he will be better than these players, but just inserting different names onto good teams sort of illustrates the point of, you know, they needed that wing to defend and hit threes to be elite teams. Every team has needed that sort of thing. And Chris Duarte has that sort of importance to the Pacers to me. You know, if he's not if he's not more refined this year, if he's sort of the same player, again, that's fine. That's a fine young player, but not the one that is you know, super desirable on the wing, that, that's the wrong way to put it. He'd still be desirable as a solid 3 and D pro with only two years of experience, but, you know, putting that elite stamp on the game, 
really showing that he is a part of this Pacers core. And if you have a good 3 and D player, you're just a better team. You know, if they if they sniff 30, 35, 40 wins, I think that means Duarte took a step forward because then they would have a solid 3 and D player contributing in that way. Bogdanovich, this is maybe a good example. Wasn't a good defender for the Pacers, I wouldn't say. But him coming into his own and really improving on the wing gave the Pacers a credible threat at that position, right? That was a big step for that Victor Oladipo-led team is having a wing, having Bojan there. They had the D side and Thad. They had the offensive side and Bojan. If they had that one player, that would have been nice, of course. But just to have good wings is really important for that team exceeding expectations. If Duarte can be better, Bojan took a huge leap when he came to the Pacers. If Duarte can be better in a lot of ways, I think he'll be really important for the success of this team. And either way, because he could be the best shooter or because he could be the best wing defender and maybe both which is crazy to think about. I think he's pretty important. One of the three or four most important Pacers to the success of this year's team. And you could even argue to me, he's in the top two or three, you know, with Halliburton and, and Ben Matherin because uh, he's only a second year player. So if they're good, he's important to their success because of the skills he has, because he does important things, because he's fitting an important role in the modern NBA, but also because he's only entering his second season. So the development goal is also really key for him, right? In a way that it will be for a bunch of other young guys. But the rubrics for Chris Duarte's success can kind of go down both paths. And I think that's why he's pretty dang important to the success of the Pacers this season. The other question I've been asking to close out these season preview shows for players is, are they angling for their spot on the Pacers long-term? And I would like to rephrase that question to answer it for Chris Duarte. He's got, if assuming they don't trade him or they don't feel like they need to include him to upgrade their team. Yeah, he's got a spot on the Pacers long-term. He's going to be in the rotation either as a defender or shooter, likely both. You know, that's a valuable player, even if, you know, like pretending a worst case scenario where he's already 25 and he doesn't get that much better and he's just sort of, you know, uh, an okay defender and a 37% shooter, like you'd still play that guy every game. So I don't think he's angling for a spot on the Pacers long term, but I think he's angling for is a certain role or a certain number of touches, if that makes sense. You know, he comes out this year and he's got those two dribble moves or he's shooting 40% from deep or he's added a cut to his game. He's got to play with Halbert a lot in that case. Or he's got to play with the best five a lot in that instance. And, and that's something that he would be fighting for long-term is to be a, a lock, sharpie, starting five wing for the Indiana Pacers as they ascend into the playoffs. Defensively, the same thing. If he can really defend wings or he's really disruptive on that end of the floor, same kind of deal. They don't have anyone else who currently projects to be that really quality, solid wing defender. I think more so for him, it's not about angling for a spot on the Pacers long-term. It's about angling for a specific role. And I think that that's illustrated perfectly by the fact that it's not clear what his role is on this year's team yet. You know, the fact that Buddy Heald, a 30-year-old, who is good. Buddy Heald's a good player. He has value to the Pacers. This is not a knock on Buddy Heald. But the fact that it's even being discussed who should start between those two guys is sort of illustrative of where Duarte's at right now. Like, the discussion usually with young players versus vets is like, TJ McConnell level versus Aaron Holiday, for example. Not, you know, Chris Duarte versus Buddy Heald. And again, Buddy's a good player. I get why this discussion has happened, but usually the, the the young player wins out. Like everybody in the Pacers sphere sort of thought Aaron Holiday would play more in his second year, get a longer leash than he did. And Chris Duarte won't get completely pulled out of the rotation like Aaron Holiday did that year. But, you know, that sort of stuff was sort of telling that Holiday couldn't get on the floor. And then when he played, he didn't do well. And He's barely in the league now. He's getting a minimum deal to be the third point guard for Atlanta. You know, Duarte's much better than that, and he's not fighting for a spot in the league. But generally, 
you know, guys who are young and obviously should be playing, they don't have to deal with those sort of position battles like some of the more unproven guys do. So I think all that to say, that one minute long rant to say, I don't think his role is set for him on the Pacers long term just yet, especially with Matherin right there as another guard wing kind of guy who could be in the mix for minutes long term. And you always want to be adding wings, which I'm sure the Pacers will try to do every offseason for perpetuity now. But just in general, I don't think he's fighting for a spot on the Pacers. I think he has a role, whether that's coming off the bench or being a 3 and D guy or whatever, on the Pacers with Tyrese Halliburton as they grow into this, whatever this next era is. But I do think he's fighting for a role specifically. If he wants to be a starter or the second option or whatever he wants to be, he's got to go out and show certain things this year to earn that role on the Pacers long term. And that by me, a little too harsh for a second year player. You know, it, it takes players three, sometimes four years to really come into their own and show the skills that they're going to develop. It took Victor Oladipo six, five years, five years for that to happen to him. His first year after his rookie contract is where that explosion happened for him. Perhaps Duarte could be a late bloomer as well, but I think this year he's fighting more to show what his role can be on the Pacers long term than that he has earned a spot on the Pacers long term. I hope that makes sense because I think that distinction is clear and important uh, because he should be playing every night. He should be closing games, but exactly where he fits in with Tyrese, with Benedict Mather, and with the other pieces the Pacers have is not yet clear and will be determined as this season goes on. Really looking forward to watching Chris Duarte this year. I think he's been a little forgotten this offseason as Benedict Matherin is this awesome new shiny thing for fans to look at, and Tyrese Halliburton's the new face of the franchise, and Jalen Smith resigned, and they did all this fun stuff with Aiton in free agency. It's like all these cool stories about the roster have developed and have deserved the attention of the story. But you know, Chris Duarte made all-rookie team last year. Like He's a good player. He projects to be a pretty good player. And seeing how he develops into year two alongside the face of the franchise in Tyrese Halliburton, I think will be really fun. And one of maybe the top three storylines to watch for the Pacers this season is that specific duo. How does it click? How can the Pacers continue to develop those players? Let me know if you think I missed anything here down in the YouTube comments or by tweeting at me right here at TEastNBA or this podcast at Locked on Pacers next Monday. We're talking news. We're talking TV deal. 2K ratings. Miles Turner wants how much money in free agency next year? Michael Scotto's got those digits. We'll talk about it Monday. We'll do some more player previews next week. We'll talk awards. A lot of fun stuff coming on Locked on Pacers. You don't want to miss it. So thank you guys a ton for listening today. Have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday.